Petrangelo shoots, save, rebound, score! Nicholas Waugh ties it! Rebound goal for Nick Waugh! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. A steal for Colasar, charging out. Colasar, the right, he shoots and scores! Colasar on the breakaway! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your home for access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace hanging out inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and bar inside of TI. What an excellent place this is. We're going to talk to you all about it over the next couple of hours. Chris Chapman's back inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... So as I said, hanging out here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar Inside TI, always free parking, plenty of televisions. Uh, No Golden Knights game today. We've got to wait a little bit longer. And by the way, happy Valentine's Day to everybody that celebrates. We're going to have a little bit of fun with, you know, a really interesting holiday. I'm not the biggest Valentine's Day fan, but I'll tell you what I am a fan of when it comes to Valentine's Day. The candy. Everybody likes candy. How could you not like the candy? So we're going to get into, at some point today, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, Valentine's Day candy edition. So hit us up on X, at Ryan Hockey Guy, at Magnum702, at Fox Sports Las Vegas, or Fox Sports LV, with your overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, in terms of Valentine's Day candy. We've also got the Sam and Ash Legal Minute coming up uh, just about 45 minutes or so. We're going to dig into... A little, de- a little bit deeper into the Morgan Riley, Ridley Gregg incident, the suspension levied by the Department of Player Safety, and what the appeals process is going to look like for Morgan Riley and the NHL Players Association. We'll also get to one-timers news and notes from around the National Hockey League in hour number two, and we'll hear from Bruce Cassidy earlier today. But right now, to kind of set... The tone for the rest of the afternoon, we bring in Ashley Weiss with the Vegas Golden Knights. And Ashley, jumping in, um, what, what's your take on Valentine's Day? Because like, I, I, was, just, I was just explaining, like, I'm not the biggest Valentine's Day person. Where do you fall? Like, how much do you enjoy or not enjoy Valentine's Day? So I would agree. I think it's just another day. However, I am always down to change things up a bit, so like an excuse to... I don't know, make a different dessert or an excuse to eat more candy than usual or go to dinner if you, somewhere you might not normally go. Uh, I'll take an excuse to do that all day, every day. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm definitely not a um, romantic Valentine's Day, day of love type of person, but I'm also not someone who's like, you know, get that. Okay, so, for me. so now I'm curious. Like you, you mentioned, like, ah, I use it to, to kind of your advantage to either – yeah. try a new dessert or make a new dessert like what what direction would you go like say it's today and you you're you're trying yeah. to go in a different direction what do you do so there's an example there's like a cookie recipe that i like and you use strawberry cake mix for it and it makes these pink cookies that are so good so why not mm. do that once a year that's a that's an example um typically uh we do uh sushi sometime the week of valentine's week so an excuse to eat sushi not that i necessarily need one but that's definitely a way that we celebrate every year 
uh, go to the sushi spot somewhere. Sometimes it's casual sushi. Sometimes it's uh, tried making my own once. Not great, let me tell you. Not as easy as it looks. Um, what's the, what's the but, hardest part of making sushi? Um, the rice, getting it sticky enough to actually like stick to the seaweed so that when you roll it up, it's not just a complete mess. And then I don't know how places get it to be like firm where you can mm-hmm. then cut the rolls because it ended up just being mush basically. Well, I feel so, like, yeah, I feel like maybe I, I, I should chime in on that because it's the, it's the type of rice that's used. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I know that there is sticky sushi rice. I know yes. that, yep. but yeah. still, it's still there. I don't know. I've only tried it once. I probably should go back. Honestly, it was years ago. Um, I should, now that maybe I'm not as naive, I can do a little research or Chapman can just tell me right now, which would be great. <laughs> well, I don't know how yeah. to do it though. Like, like, what, I, I what, mean, then why are you chiming in? Well, because I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do know a little bit about sushi, but I, I don't know how yeah. to, how to make it like per, I've tried it before. And the yeah. biggest issue I had when I made it is it kept getting stuck to the, the little bamboo roller mm-hmm. that I yeah. had. So when I would unwrap it, it would it, it would just like completely rip apart when I was trying exactly. to make rolls. So exactly. I, well, I, did you did you use the saran wrap? Yeah, that doesn't help. Oh. That stuff. That also, stuff. saran wrap is just difficult. I can't be the yeah, only one that feels like trying to cover leftovers <laughs> or something with saran wrap is yeah. like one of those things. And they say like, what's not an Olympic sport, but it should be using saran wrap. I feel like could be top of that list. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, okay, so. Whenever I've tried to make sushi in the past, I just eat it as a bowl. Like I get all the ingredients ready to go, right? Like, and I get everything kind of lined up as if I'm going to make the sushi. And then at, at some point, I'm just like, I'm too hungry for this, and I just throw everything into a bowl, and then I just eat it like a sushi bowl. So it never actually gets to the roll form. So I have no idea. That's a good uh, way to go. That is a good I, way to go. I will, I will ask yeah. you, like, what's your go-to when it comes to sushi? Like, are you a roll person? Do you like nigiri? Like, where do you go? What's your favorite sushi? I don't discriminate. Um, I, I do eat rolls more, but I think, honestly, just because it's more filling, I don't feel like I get as much um, mm-hmm. getting just the slices of sushi. Uh, but I do. I really like uh, red tuna. I really like albacore. I really like uh, snapper um, mm-hmm. all on oh, their own. She, she likes um, the expensive stuff. <laughs> sashimi. I like that. Like uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll eat sashimi like that, but typically... I'm yeah. going for a roll. Uh, I definitely don't try it. Like, you know, the, the people who are like, oh, yeah, I like sushi, and then they only eat cooked rolls. Yeah, I'm not yeah. one of those people, but I do like <laughs> rolls, just the different flavors and all that. But I was thinking on your Valentine's Day question, mm. yeah. another thing that I like about things like Valentine's Day, you're asking about the different excuses it gives me. Uh, sure. The locker room's a good example. Like, today mm. we needed to do a one-on-one interview with a player, and it's like, well, instead of asking same stuff we always ask maybe we can have some fun for valentine's day so um you know those are the kind of things that you take advantage of mix it up when you can any holiday uh that's kind of the that's kind of the move so what was your approach then today in in the the locker room because as you mentioned right like this is uh there's some downtime right now for the golden knights like obviously they're practicing they've got a game on saturday but it's been really light in terms of scheduling so what was that approach with you know, having a little bit of fun today uh, after practice and, and in the room. Well, we decided that someone to have fun with would be William Carlson because when mm-hmm. you're going non-hockey, having fun, he's usually a good guy. Although I have to always be careful because I don't feel like I can always keep up with his wittiness. Um, 
sometimes it takes me a second to, if he makes a joke, it takes me a second, and I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, my first thought was just to ask when he remembered that it was Valentine's Day, because I feel like there were um, men and women all across America today that woke up and thought, shoot, uh, I don't have a dinner reservation. I didn't do anything. Um, and we're going to get in trouble for it. And I honestly, when I asked him, I thought he would say, oh, no, I because um, I think his wife, I had already posted, had an Instagram post. I thought, surely this is a safe question. And then he went on to inform me, no, actually, our trainer, Raul, uh, got a text from his wife and relayed the information this morning when he was already at the rink. So that's that was a fun way to start it out. But then uh, I was looking at some of the uh, Valentines that the team posted on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, they do every year. I always look forward to those puns. And had William Carlson see if he could beat those puns and say something better. So, mm-hmm. um, like Mark Stone, oh gosh, I should go get my other phone to pull this up. Um, but the team had some clever ones. Uh, the one William Carlson came up with four with Mark Stone was, uh, like, my love for you is set in stone, which I thought was very creative on the spot like that. <laughs> did a good job with that one. But the better one was Nick Waugh. <laughs> he said, you walk my world, which I was like, that's creative. That's why we go to William Carlson for these things. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> I don't even know how I follow that up. I'll, I'll, I'll just say, because I, I told Ryan beforehand, but hmm. I, I hit the jackpot, like, love life wise because they have valentine's day in japan but in japan on valentine's day the woman buys the man gifts and chocolate and all sorts of stuff so i i hit the okay jackpot. so you're just leaning all the way into that oh i'm totally leaning into it listen we we speak japanese to our dog we're, we're all in on the japanese stuff in, in the chapman household but mm-hmm. uh we we have not adopted that practice and i did buy her a card and a box of chocolates i'm i'm very generic when it comes to Valentine's Day. And I'll end up eating all the chocolates because <laughs> she doesn't particularly eat a lot of sweets. But yeah, You uh, know, generic is not always a bad thing. Like, I'll take, there's nothing wrong. Like, who doesn't want chocolate? I mean, if you're someone that likes candy, why not? Yeah, and I, uh, don't, and I don't go cheap. I buy the Ghirardelli stuff. I don't I don't buy, like, the, the little tiny one that's got, like, four chocolates in it. That's Good yeah. on you. I could eat that in one sitting. I'm not, I'm not going to waste that. <laughs> so. One sitting. I found myself buying a box of Girl Scout cookies uh, hmm. on Saturday, and the box is empty today. So that's where I'm at with not knowing my limits. So what's the uh, go-to? What's the go-to Girl Scout cookie? Tag along all day. Is that we the one with the coconut and... No, it is the uh, chocolate peanut butter. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. And I'm right. sold. You're thinking yeah. of um, Samoa Samoans. Car- Sam- I call them Caramel I- Delights, but that's not what they're called. I thought they were the called Samoans. Yes, that sounds correct. Yeah, yeah oh, those are awesome, right. too. Ryan hasn't right. weighed in much here, though. I feel like it's been me and Chapman going back and forth, and Ryan hasn't really weighed in on his Valentine's Day. Yeah, I, I don't do much. I'll be, I'll be really honest. Like I, and and it's, it's a beautiful situation because, like, unlike, you know, kind of in line with Chapman, um, my wife is not the biggest Valentine's Day person, so we just kind of acknowledge that we have life things to do, and then we just do the life things. Yeah. Um, so, so to to be fair, like we'll we'll go out to dinner tonight. Like we're in town. I'm 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 here hanging out at uh, Ti. So like it, it's it's going to be a, a fun evening. But it would be something that we do generally, uh, regardless of if it is or isn't Valentine's Day. Now, um, I'm with you on the tagalongs. 
Um, with you, Chapman, on the really nice chocolate for Valentine's Day. Uh, but I wanted to circle back to the puns because I, I, I looked at the, the Golden Knights Twitter account, X account, whatever yep. you want to call it, and my favorite is if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. And yeah, it is the Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup Championship ring. It's a beautiful situation. It's a beautiful ring. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal way to kind of throw something out there that's not player-specific. And it leans into really what we saw over the weekend, and that was the Stanley Cup championship ring front and center during the Super Bowl halftime show. Lil John, a, a celebrity coach for the Vegas Golden Knights, kind of uh, broke his ring out in, in that moment. Like, when you were watching the Super Bowl, how cool was that moment for you, Ashley, given that you are a part of the Vegas Golden Knights organization, and you got to see hockey and this team represented in one of the biggest sporting events of the year? Yeah, the way I gasped when I saw not only him but then saw the <laughs> ring, and I was actually mm-hmm. watching it with coworkers, and what's funny is I was like, is that the, is he wearing his ring? And coworkers were like, oh, yeah, they gave it to or like they told, like they, we talked to him, and he said he was going to do it, whatever. And I'm like, this, there's an inside joke in the office that I'm the last to know about everything, which as a reporter <laughs> is probably a terrible thing to say. But when it comes to, when it comes to the, um, you know, I guess, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a joke that I don't always know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tend to know what's going on with the players and the coaches and the things that I need to know. Um, but sometimes I just am not up to speed on some of the fun, hot topics. So uh, I was personally pumped to see it. I think everyone was. And then for him to follow it up the next day with the tweet, with the video saying, yes, mm-hmm. the rumors are true. I was wearing the championship ring. It's just unbelievable. I think, uh, it's really cool to see someone like him um, be such an advocate for the team to uh, embrace it the way that he has. I think that something that makes Vegas um, so special is, one, uh, the local fans who have you know, wanted a, a team to root for their entire life. Uh, but two, there's so much star power that comes along with it. And I think that uh, when people are visiting from out of town or Golden Knights fans who you know, our fans from afar that come in for their first game, like to see the celebrities on the on the video board every night. I think it just adds an extra layer of cool to this team that is already so cool. So um, to see it on that stage was unbelievable. And honestly, if you think about it, uh, we got to talk to him at the game. He was that's another thing. He was at the Golden Knights game the very next day. Can you imagine mm-hmm. performing halftime Super Bowl? And that's not even enough like sports where you have to go to a hockey game the next night? Like, what does that say? Well, it says a lot, right? And it, it says uh, a lot about where Vegas has, has kind of come as a, as a sports market in, in America, right? Like, yeah. so often we think about all of the things that are happening around us today. And, and sometimes we kind of lose sight of where it all started, especially here in Vegas. And, and it started with the Golden Knights, like the genesis of sports – really at this level to the point where you get a Super Bowl to the point where you're talking about F1 to the point where you've got the amount of things that happen in a calendar year here in Vegas that is related to professional sports the 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 start of all of that is the Vegas Golden Knights and you know to me that's why it was such a special moment for that ring to be displayed during that halftime show it's first Super Bowl in Vegas and the team that 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 really did get the ball rolling for this to become an event was represented, and I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, I think it speaks to the product, too. Again, there's no telling how many Super Bowl events he attended 
mm-hmm. over the weekend leading up to that. And he still has it's such a it's a good product. What you're seeing when you come to the arena, um, the product that the team is putting on the ice makes you want more even the very next day after the Super Bowl and you've been part of all those festivities. Uh, and the other part that makes it extra cool is think about on that stage. He was talking to us about the viewership, which we've now seen the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. Most televised or most viewed event. Uh, think about how much he put into what am I going to wear? What am I going to look yeah. like? The things that you, you do when you know it's, you're on literally the biggest stage and he thought that that ring was worth being there. And it is worth being there. Don't, don't get me wrong. But how cool is it that someone is <laughs> his stature uh, who would have been putting that much thought into it? You know, I mean, we've seen a lot of jewelry on the guy, you know? So for that sure. to be yeah. top of the list of things that he wants to wear and also it also tells you how good the team did designing that ring that it lives up to the, you know, standard that he would set on what can be worn that big of a performance. Like when you think yeah. about it, the, the brand recognition that came with, with little John wearing that ring, but just the golden Knights being a part of that Super Bowl halftime experience, you know, the, the, the logo, while it still has a ways to go to catch something like the Yankees or, or the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of, of global recognition, there's people not just in the United States that watch the Super Bowl, but I lived in Asia. There were tons of people in Asia who watched the Super Bowl. The brand yeah. recognition worldwide, and I know VGK had that VGK worldwide, and, and that's a really cool thing. But, like, to put that out there into not just American households, but households in Germany and Brazil where they've, where they've played or are going to play NFL games in the future, like, it's really cool when you think that, there's probably hundreds of millions of people all over the world watching that game, seeing that logo. Yeah, it's really cool. I feel like it's also kind of just a foot on the gap kind of thing in terms of mm-hmm. um, how this brand and this team is taken off. Like, we've seen it take over the hockey world. Uh, we've seen it go beyond that, too. We've seen uh, I, it's like Pat Matthews' friendships with the Golden Knights got him talking yeah. about hockey so much more over the last calendar year. I know Mark Stone and Jack Eichel went on his show a couple of times during the playoff run. Um, and then obviously we saw him, you know, at the game a couple of nights before the Super Bowl. So um, to see them take over the hockey world the way they have, to, you know, the, from what they did in year one to mm. winning the cup last year uh, to hosting all-star games to, uh, you know, being in multiple outdoor games at this point, uh, to watch that expand to really be the center of the sports world and be seen while at the center of the sports world. Um, you know, like you're saying, it, it goes a, a long way. And I think this, it's definitely a team and an organization that's um, not going to sit back and stop. Like, I, Bill Foley wants that logo to be, you know, one of the most recognizable in sports. And, gosh, what they've done just these first six and a half years tells you that there's a very good chance he's going to be right. And he has been right about these things before. You know, it's also funny because when you think about it, you you need to do a couple of things in order to get to that level, right? Obviously, you've got to win, and the Golden Knights have done a ton of winning since becoming an NHL franchise. But you also have to have, specifically when it comes to like a Pat McAfee, you have to have players that are willing to give you a little bit more, willing to give you some personality. And you mentioned Mark Stone. like He views himself not just as a hockey player, but also as a performer. And I think in order to have that appeal that the Golden Knights have with celebrities, to, especially in the city, you have to have something beyond just the product on the ice. And I think a lot of that credit should go to the Vegas Golden Knights players because they're willing to give a little bit more 
than most hockey players are in this setting. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. They're, they have that balance. No one's going to be like, you know, put the attention on me and take away from my team. But uh, mm-hmm. they have fun with it for sure. There's a lot of personalities in the room, too. I know, Chapman, you and I were talking earlier about something else, about what Alec Martinez brings to the table from that standpoint, <laughs> uh, the amount of stuff he does behind the scenes to uh, keep the spirits high and make jokes and chirps and bring props and whatever else to the locker room to um, – you know, make things fun, and then he's not afraid to chirp other guys on the team to us and to the cameras, which is, in my opinion, the best thing we can get uh, on camera is guys making fun of each other, which maybe, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me, being this ultimate pot stir, but it's, uh, to me, the most fun content that there is. But yeah, I also think, too, like, when you get those guys on, um, you know, shows that have even more eyeballs on them than, you know, the NHL Network appearances that they do, the appearances that they do, Um, with us regionally and locally here in Vegas, is these guys are really big sports fans. So, like, some of them, I think, were starstruck by Pat McAfee being in the locker room. Like, there are so many of these. I I, I shouldn't even say so many. All of them are sports fans beyond just hockey. A lot of them will tell you they think that you should play multiple sports growing up. Um, They're very invested. We obviously know Alex Martinez with the Lions. Um, Mark Stone, uh, big sports guy, Jack Eichel. Um, you know, you walk into the locker room and especially during football season, like college football is on the, on the TV every Saturday and NFL every Sunday, um, when they're practicing. So, uh, you're right though. The personality is definitely good. It's always something that, uh, we want to get more out of the league always wants to get more out of. Uh, so it's really good for Vegas to be the team setting that example, uh, especially given the market, it's what people expect. So, uh, the more people lean into that, the better. And it's always more fun to, or always easier to get more fun stuff out of people when they're winning. And Vegas has had the luxury of having a lot of that. Now, you're in so many different arenas across. I mean, you go to every arena, I should say, over the course of a season. (laughs) So how unique is it that Vegas has this aspect with the celebrity fans? Like, you never know who's going to ring the alarm. I mean, I remember, I remember, I mean, Golden Pipes has been our national anthem singer for seven years, but there was a, a, a night in year one where Paul Schaefer from The Tonight Show came out and sang the national anthem. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we've had guys from Patty the Batty Pimblet ringing the alarm to Bubba Watson. <laughs> That's Darren's buddy. Yeah, well, Patty he's... Patty the Batty's Darren's buddy, yep. I, I had Watson, to... Man, did Bubba Watson lean into that or what? Oh, yeah, yeah. For everyone like, listening, yeah. if you didn't see Bubba Watson on the siren, he was feeling himself. I enjoyed that. So, like, how unique? Yeah, how unique is that to to, to Vegas? I mean, does does I mean, I've been in San Jose for playoff yeah. games, and it's kind of like, <laughs> man, you know, I I've, I've been to Washington, and they had Pat Sajak come out and and get people fired up. It's like, all right, my mom likes That'll Pat Sajak, you know, like That'll that's do it. that's really who who we want to lean into, Pat Sajak. But <laughs> no offense, Pat, I love Wheel of Fortune, but not not the demographic I think I would want to 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 be embracing my sport and, and, and buying tickets. But, um, no, I, I mean, I want the younger. So so how unique is it, though? Like, th- does this happen in other arenas? So I would say, uh, well, for let me preface this by saying no one does a better job at putting on the show that the Golden Knights put on, and that includes using the celebrities that aren't only just fans, but celebrities that even just come in for a show, like how you see Gwen Stefani on the video board before the game. I uh, don't mm-hmm. know, you know, how big of a fan she is or how much she actually follows along, but just to even have that, um, it's cool every game. Now, uh, I would say it's definitely unique 
and Vegas does an incredible job. The only I don't want to be naive and sound just like a total homer here. Like L.A., obviously, a lot of people roll through L.A., right? Uh, mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden, you see a lot of different people on their video board on any given night. Um, and then Nashville is a more uh, niche, I guess. Um, you get a lot of celebrities rolling through Nashville, particularly country music stars, right? Um, mm. I wouldn't say any of those have more than Vegas. I would say that those are kind of the markets that are even playing field. But, I mean, when you're considering the fact the market size of Vegas and the market size of those other places I just mentioned, um, that tells you something. Like, Vegas, the star power here is equal with that of L.A. and New York, if not better. It might be better. Um, I just don't want to say that and then, you know. Twitter mentions blow up about all these people who have shown up at <laughs> Madison Square Garden over the last however many years. Yeah, when so, we were there, there was an opera singer, which was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go, yeah, Chad. Yeah, so I, again, incredible. This is me giving Vegas all that credit. I think it's really cool. I gasp when I see certain people on there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be professional and not be a starstruck, whatever. But, you know, it happens to all of us. So um, I would say, yes, they do the best. However, people like L.A., New York, maybe, maybe not Nashville, are up, you know, up there. But to even be in the top four or five in that category with the most celebrities coming to games is top-notch, especially when you're only six and a half years old. Yeah. Um, all right, especially one... when there's so many other things to do in Vegas. Sorry, I'm going to add that in yeah. there, too. Yeah, That's no, another it's... thing that stands out. There's so many things to do in Vegas, and yet you have these celebrities wanting to come to these games, and that tells you something. Yeah, 100%. Um, One hockey-specific question. Like, Shea Theodore on the ice today, out of the red non-contact jersey. We know the type of season that Shea was having before he got hurt. You know, obviously this is going to be something that when he's able to go, Bruce Cassidy said maybe not the weekend. We'll see maybe more uh, next week is is a bit more realistic for for Shea. Uh, But what would it mean for this Golden Knights team to get Shea Theodore back into the fold and where will his presence be felt the most power play <laughs> yeah perfect that's exactly what i was hoping for no <laughs> no um it's going to mean a lot for sure um i think that a you had his absence and then you had the absence of uh ben hutton and he actually was a better puck transporter in that absence that then bruce cassidy realized he always knew that he was good at puck moving um but i think that he saw ben step up in that role more than he had previously um, with Shea out. Um, mm-hmm. So then when he lost both of them, I think that's when it was really shining through. Now, Caden Korzak came up and, you know, added that, a bit of that element as well, and he certainly got more comfortable as his uh, time up here went on, and you could see that. Um, however, it, it, Shea Theodore is not a guy that you just replace. It's not, you know, it's one of those things where everything, um, with his absence, everything uh, that he brings to the table has to be made up by committee. Um, so that's another thing. Not only do you instantly get that back, but you have other guys who are back to playing more of their normal roles, maybe where they're, where they're more comfortable. Um, and, you know, Bruce Cassidy tells his players that you shouldn't, you should be the best version of yourself, right? You shouldn't try to be Shea Theodore. But the reality is if the power play is not scoring and Shea Theodore is not there, you're going to try to bring some of those things to the table that he would normally bring, um, even if it doesn't work out for you. So uh, I think that's where it's going to be felt the most. Um, it's also, um, it'll give the team a boost, too. I think that he's going to bring uh, a good amount of energy, especially when he first comes back. He's been out a long time, and it's a, it's a mm-hmm. post-locker room. Um, he's definitely a uh, big-time, well-liked member of the locker room as well. Um, he's 
he, we saw him just, you know, briefly um, because he did travel with the team to the Winter Classic because they wanted everyone to be part of that. Um, and you could tell it was just hard for, you know, hard for him not to be part of all of that. So I think that's going to bring just an energy with it as well that goes beyond even what he brings to the table on the ice. Um, but what about you guys? What do you, how do you think that's going to impact things? And don't say power play because I already said it. <laughs> um, I mean, power play for me <laughs> is where Shea Theodore shines, but it, it kind of speaks to what Bruce Cassie was talking about earlier. There's a, an element of rush offense that Shea Theodore is going to bring to the table. Like he is able to see those seams on the stretch passes. He's able to get pucks out of his own, out of his own zone quicker. He's able to find the right guy in the right spot to really maximize those odd man rushes for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, while I've loved the idea that this team has turned themselves into a, a team that can score not just off the rush, but also in zone, right? They can create yeah. from below the, b- below the circles, below the goal lines. That's how you have to score in the playoffs to win, and it's evidenced by the fact that they won the Stanley Cup. But you also do need that element that Shea brings to the table. Five on five, the ability to stretch the zone, the ability to stretch the ice and catch some teams off guard. I think that that, more than anything, just the puck-moving ability of Shea Theodore is going to open some things up for the Golden Knights. And I'll throw one more in there. I think what it also does is it allows Bruce Cassidy to kind of balance out his minutes on the blue line. Alex mm-hmm. Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb have all been playing a ton of minutes. Yeah. You you bring Shea Theodore back in the fold, and it allows Bruce to kind of balance out those minutes, maybe get Petrangelo off the ice maybe an extra two or three minutes a night. Yeah, no, agreed, all of that. And like Ryan was saying, it is good, like, you want to be able to score off the same zone pressure, but, like, what if you add rough mm-hmm. scoring to that? Like, why not? Why not score every possible way you can, right? Yeah, you got to diversify it, and, and that's really where you become a little bit less predictable, and I think that that helps the Golden Knights in the long run. Ashley, this has been an absolute blast. Like, I, I've had a lot of fun. Thanks so much for jumping on here, uh, filling in for uh, Darren Millard, who's still a little bit under the weather. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have a feeling you and I will chat at some point here before Saturday yep. or on Saturday for the Golden Knights, taking on Carolina, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day, whatever you choose to do. Uh, thank you. Thank you guys for letting me ramble. And uh, Mallard, if you're listening, get well soon. You are very missed. All right. That is Ashley Weiss with the Vegas Golden Knights joining us here to talk about a whole host of things, Valentine's Day related and Vegas Golden Knights related as well. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show. You're listening to Fox Sports Las Vegas. Happy Valentine's Day. Rolling along here on a Wednesday. It's the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace hanging out inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at TI. Always free parking, plenty of TVs, sports all around me. So come on down, say hello, hang out. I've got a couple of giveaways here. If you wanted to see Adam London Lafternoon at the Orleans, come on down to say hello, and you're a winner. Uh, Las Vegas Desert Dogs Lacrosse, you want to go to that? Come on down, say hello, you're a winner. So get on down here. I'll be here till 6 o'clock. Chris Chapman, he's back in the studio, and... I wanted to bring you Bruce Cassidy right now because Cassidy spoke uh, at length this morning about Shea Theodore, when we might see him back in the fold for the Vegas Golden Knights, as well as special teams, some power play talk. So here's Bruce Cassidy from earlier today. Yeah, it's great to have him. He's progressing from red to, to normal color now, which means that that's the last step before he gets cleared. Uh, there's usually 
obviously the medical plan, the original plan, and then his plan from dealing with the bumps and all that goes along with it. So I don't have an exact timeline for him, but it's a lot closer than it was a week ago. Theo? I don't know if he'll be available this weekend. Um, I think next week is probably more realistic, but I'm not going to put a, anything on him because it's only Wednesday, correct? So, um, But again, excited just the fact that he's mixed in because it's been a long time. So um, as for the break, it's good for, I think, for us right now because we had an illness go through the room as much as anything. Guys, the energy level wasn't great. Uh, Theo's timeline might not, wouldn't have probably changed just because of our schedule intensity or not. It just happens to be that we're not playing right now, which is good for the guys if they're close to coming back, and he is one of those guys. You talked about it a lot over the last couple of months, just the guys that have stepped in in his absence, not just Shea, but everyone who hasn't been playing on the team. Where is, I guess, your confidence level as far as the, the organization well, it's been good, um, and it was good last year. You know, don't forget, you know, Pahal came in, did a good job. We, we happened to lose him on waivers, waivers, played every game for Calgary. They, you know, they see what we saw. We just didn't have room for everybody. Miro came in last year, did a decent job. Korzak, more so this year, you saw the evolution of his game where, you know, he was rock solid, I thought, for a young guy most nights. Um, Heidi came in earlier this year, unfortunately got injured. I thought he was playing as well as anybody back there, so... I like our depth on D. Um, Cormier got a, a look early on. He's a little behind in terms of experience from those guys, but doesn't mean he can't catch up because I think we saw that with Korzak. This year he's caught up a little bit. We've seen it with Pav. He's caught up in a forward position. Um, so that's kind of his timeline. will be determined by him more than us. How long he can stay up here is sometimes the asset management part, who's available, who's not. But typically what happens in that, is eventually you make room for those guys. If they're good enough, they need to be in the lineup every night, then you make room for them. Yeah, he, he hasn't progressed as well as we'd like. Other than that, I have no timeline for him. Um, you know it was a body hit. I think everyone saw what happened. So, you know, you got to be very careful and make sure the player's 100% ready to participate in whatever his step of rehab is, for lack of a better term. And, uh, he has been on the ice a little bit, but not ready to get in with us. Coach, I know it's been a while since you guys took on Carolina, but is there anything from the last game that you took away that would be able to help you guys this week? Well, we didn't play very well the last game. We got behind, chased it. Um, I've seen them over the years a number of times from being in the East. Uh, so I don't know if there's a lot we can take away from that game. Certainly positives. We can show some stuff why, why they were good, but we can't show anything that we did to counter it. I think it was 6-1 game, so we, or 6-2, whatever it was, 6-3 maybe. Did we get a couple late ones? Um, but it was out of hand, let's face it, when we got our late ones. Um, the carrier is one of the guys, and I forget who else. But um, at the end of the day, they're a very direct team in how they play. They're in your face. They're like a press man-to-man so you have to have your skating legs and you have to be willing to fight through some some checks and you got to play north so to speak you know you start playing an east west lateral game because they skate so well and backtrack so well that you know you're not going to have much luck you guys got a power play goal the other day with some of the guys that thought there was more to get yep. where, where, do you, where are you at on the power play? 
Well, we missed an open net, and it's the guy we want shooting. So if he scores that one, it's a 3-2 lead for us. We're two for five. The numbers look pretty good. Um, I don't think we sustain enough pressure. Uh, that's puck recovery and willingness to get, get pucks back, and that's been the, a year and a half of that. And that's a mindset that we have to build in and have tried to build in and will continue to build in. I think we force plays uh, that aren't there. And again, that's a puck management issue. It hurts us five on five as well at times. Um, and then pace. I've always said the pace of our power play when it's good, the puck moves, get your shot, you recover it. They're all tied together. So th th those were all in play against Minnesota. I thought we had a few good looks where we got it to the right spot, but not enough. Um, and it, that's been the case now for a little bit. Uh, I thought our power play was making progress the first probably two months of the year or the second two, whatever it was. Our numbers were getting better. Our, we were generating more. We were more consistent with building momentum off it. One of the things that power plays can do for you in the negative sense is, you know, it can really suck some life out of you if you don't generate much. It's your top guys out there. Now they're not feeling good about themselves. The other team gets a lot of juice from the penalty kill. So it's a flip side thing too. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, and uh, we've tried Miro up there. We've had Marty, we've had Huddy, we've had uh, Shea, or sorry, Petro, but I think missing Shea at the top has, has led to a, a little bit of some, a few less easier chances just because Shea's ability to sort of thread the needle up there. But we still got to put other people in there that are good NHL players that can help it. <clears throat> Uh, well, Will doesn't play a lot on it, so he would, but that's where Theo is very good. Um, he's done it. This is, I mean, that's one of his, you know, biggest assets is building a quarterback a power play, so you're just going to miss it. Like I said, other guys have done a good job, but they're not Theo. Jack um, has been allowing the power play a lot. One thing about Jack, he's that guy that can score a big goal on it. Um, he might not need a lot of, you know, the Highlanders was one shot. I forget. Go through it. Like he he can he can shoot it by the goalie from the elbow. So you may not look good for a power play, and all of a sudden you get a goal because his ability to shoot or make a play. And yeah, you miss that. Of course you do. Oh, the entries. Yeah. I still think Carly and Stevie are good at it. Um, when Carly was out with Jack, yes, you really got one guy. And I think the other team looks at, okay, we're going to take away the drop to Stevenson. As soon as they drop, make sure you angle him out of good ice because, you know, he's the best at it. But Carly at least balances some of that. But, yes, that's where Jack is good as well. Listen, he's top of the league in entries five on five, and that's going to bleed into the power play's ability to do that. So now you're not getting set up as easy, which obviously is zone time. Um, so that, that's an area. And then the face-offs, right? Carly's pretty good at it, too, the face-offs. So it helps having him back in there if Stevie's not having a good night. In front of you, uh, you start by shaking out on the power play. Where else can he, you know, what does he do well when he gets back to one of them? Really uh, transition game will improve through the neutral zone. He's the guy that sees those stretch plays and, and executes them, right? You can see them, but he has the timing to make that tape-to-tape -tape pass to spring guys on odd man. I think our rush game will improve because of that. He's also good at getting up the ice uh, in those situations. But I think the biggest thing is the low to high ozone blue line. Uh, Shea, and like he's in a class of four or five guys in the league, like the Hughes and the McCarr that can dance along the blue line and, and create things up there when other guys will have a tougher time with the, the risk-reward factor, right? You lose a puck up there, they're gone the other way in a breakaway. Shea has a comfort level there, and the, and the, the lateral mobility to, to do it as good as anybody. Uh, so we missed some offense from up there. 
Um, and we saw a lot of that earlier in the year. We saw it in the playoffs last year once he got going. So that that's a part of the game that not really not easily teachable. That's some of your your natural talent, and he has it. <clears throat> I took my wife and daughter and son out last night because I knew tonight would be a tougher to get a reservation because I wasn't on the ball earlier. And second of all, Cole has hockey, so that you know he's not going to want to miss, you know, for mom and dad. So uh, I, I took care of some of it yesterday, and we'll bring home a surprise for Julie as well. Um, I used to, I started to get in trouble for the flowers I chose. So imagine that you try to do a good deed and it's like, I don't want roses anymore. Okay. So I got to find new flowers. That's fine. Lots of options. Um, chocolate, a little bit more, probably candy. There's Bruce Cassidy from earlier today. Runs the gamut. All things Vegas Golden Knights hockey. Shea Theodore in a regular jersey. We'll see if he's able to go this weekend, but it looks like next week's probably more realistic. And then Bruce Cassidy on Valentine's Day. Um, good luck tonight, everybody, when it comes to Valentine's Day. We're back with the Legal Minute, Sam and Ash, on the VGK Insider Show. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. If you're in a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or go to samandashlaw.com. It's the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash. We've got Ashley Watkins. Hey, Ashley, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, you know, I'm doing well. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of have a weird question right off the bat for you. Alex Petrangelo suited okay. up in his 1,000th NHL game. Um, that's a ridiculous milestone, right? Like you talk about somewhere in the ballpark of 8,400 players playing at least one game in the National Hockey League. Only 387 skaters have played 1,000 or more games. Is there like a lawyer equivalent? to 1,000 oh, games played. Yeah, you know, there probably is. Like, I, I guess maybe how many jury trials you you take to actual juries, that would be a good mm. equivalent. Or, you know, sometimes your monetary settlement amount. You know, I remember mm. the first time you hit a million. That was a, that's a big deal. So, um, But 1,000 NHL games, you know, that's very impressive considering what, what those players go through day in and day out with their bodies on the line. Yeah, and, and that kind of brings us right into kind of the main topic of today's discussion, and that is the, the, the talk of the hockey world really the last five days have been uh, centered on Morgan Riley of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Ridley Gregg of the Ottawa Senators. If, if anyone hasn't seen it or, or know what we're talking about, essentially Ridley Gregg takes a slap shot into an empty net. That hurts the Toronto Maple Leafs' feelings. Morgan Riley, a defenseman with the Leafs, he comes over. He cross-checks Ridley Gregg in the head, gets a call from the Department of Player Safety in-person hearing. It's a five-game suspension for Morgan Riley. I, I guess, like, initially right off the bat, if you're trying to go to bat for Morgan Riley, like, what, what are you trying to do or accomplish in his defense to try to bring the number of games down in that situation? Yeah, I think the, the thing they're pointing to is, look, I wasn't, Riley wasn't going for the head initially. He was going for the upper shoulders, and it slid up. That's what they're, they're trying to argue to minimize the punishment. But I don't know. Now, did you see it? I mean, you, you saw it. What did you think about it? I mean, I, I think that there's a number of ways that Morgan Riley could have engaged in that moment, especially given how long it took him 
to get over to Ridley Gregg. Uh, like, he could have cross-checked him in the body. He could have cross-checked him, like, in and around uh, the, the elbow or the arm area. He, he made a risky decision. And to me, as much as you, you know, try to make the argument that it, it's, it was for the shoulder and, ri- and rode up, like, y- you have to be in control in that situation. And I think, for, like, from my perspective, five games is about right for Morgan Riley. Yeah, I, I when I heard the suspension for five games, I thought so too. And I, who was it? Reeves came out and said, mm-hmm. "Make uh, hockey violent again." This sure. isn't hockey. This play was not a hockey play, and I think that's what the player safety department said in their ruling. Is really this was after the fact. The game's mm-hmm. over essentially. He um, Riley had a lot of time to think and contemplate about what he was doing, and he was using his stick as a weapon. And so. Yeah. This isn't about hockey, and so I, I think it, it makes sense, and you hate to see it one way or another, but, um, yeah, I think five games is right. You know, it's interesting because the National Hockey League Players Association, they've already come out and said that Morgan Riley and the PA will appeal the suspension. That's going to go directly to Gary Bettman. Historically speaking, Gary does not rescind or take away games. He usually upholds the suspension number but he can also add to it like do you do you view this because it isn't a hockey play because it's using your stick as a weapon because the the sole purpose here is retribution you can maybe even make the argument that it's assault like do you get the sense that maybe this is a scenario where gary bettman is is trying to make an example out of morgan riley an example out of plays like this and and goes beyond the five games you know, I don't think so, but it's a risk, and I'm kind of surprised they're appealing it because that's exactly the problem here. Like you said, this is, it's truly almost an assault, and it's very dangerous, and that's the thing that really frustrates me when you see a play like this. It, it had nothing to do with the game, had nothing to do with competition and competing for a win. At that point, you're just fighting, and, um, and injuries can happen, and that's yeah. significant, and especially up in the head. So um, I, I'm, I'm surprised they're appealing it. And I wouldn't be too shocked if Batman adds to it, but I don't think he will. You know, it, you just said something that I thought was interesting because you mentioned the injury aspect of this. And sometimes when player safety is trying to make a determination on the length of games for a suspension, they will take into account whether or not the player that is at the receiving end is injured or not. Personally, I don't think that it should be that way. You should be judging the intent, not the result. How do you see it? I see it both ways. You know, I'm a lawyer, so that's what we do. But uh, I think ultimately for the conduct, you know, taking the stick, cross-checking up in the head, that has a serious penalty. I think if uh, Greg had gotten hurt, then you would have seen more than five. And I, that makes sense. You know, that's what happens in our criminal justice system as well. You know, if you, if you get pulled over for a DUI, it's one punishment. But if you hurt someone while driving under the influence, it's a different, more severe punishment. So... It makes sense. They're still terrible decisions, but I get it. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really different viewpoint from from how I see it, but it, it's one that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, you know, this has been phenomenal, uh, illuminating stuff. Uh, we know the Super Bowl was in town over the weekend. Uh, did you do anything fun for that? You know, I hung out with friends. My voice sounds like I had a really great time and that I was at the <laughs> nightclubs with the team celebrating after but no, yeah. I just hung out with friends, uh, sat on the couch, enjoyed the commercials, and had a great time. Uh, a little disappointed about the outcome, but was really proud for Vegas. We put on a great party for uh, the country. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a phenomenal showing for the city of Las Vegas. Um, Ash, if, if anyone out here is listening and, and they need uh, help with, with anything that they're going through, uh, if they're in a crash, call Sam and Ash. That's, that's the tagline. But how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. 702-820-1234. And just to remind people, look, if you've been in a crash and you, you're hurt, but you don't think it's big enough for a case, uh, let it just talk to us. It's free. It's quick. It's easy. Um, it doesn't cost you a thing. Just give us a call and let us see how we can help you at 702-820-1234. It's what we love doing here, uh, just helping people, giving answers to questions. And if they need legal services, we can.